morning, everyone. How are y'all? Everybody good? Uh, just so we're clear, uh, some of those bikers you saw doing the flips and the jumps, you couldn't see their faces because the helmets. That was Brookside staff that was doing all that. So Jeff and I and Rob and everybody else really, really enjoyed that. Uh, if you're new here, not, not really was the, case, was the case for that. Well, good morning again. My name is Tim, one of the pastors here. So glad to see all of you, to worship with you this morning. And I know for some of you, this is your first time here. Maybe your kids were at kids camp all this last week and you're, you're checking Brookside out now for a Sunday. Thank you so much for joining us. And let me say, we're glad to have you with us. Welcome. And I want to add my own voice to that video we just saw and just legitimately say kids camp was awesome this last week. It was so great to see 300 plus kids hearing about Jesus every night getting the love that they were shown from the, from the volunteer leaders, 100-plus volunteer leaders, showing kids Jesus' love and care, and then, again, certainly just having a ton of fun the whole time. I love that we're a church that makes a difference in the next generation, because when you think about the difference that last week makes, it is huge, right? The, the trajectory that it can set in the life of a child, helping them feel loved and cared for, and then again, the eternal impact it can make as they hear about Jesus and make decisions for Jesus. So, so thanks for being that sort of church. I know I saw volunteers here this last week that, that don't have kids yet or that are past that stage, their kids are grown, that were here serving. Thank you, because we can't make last week happen without you. Or there are people that had construction skills that were building sets and all that sort of stuff, stuff that I cannot do at all, but, but we needed them to build, the, to build and design everything that we saw up here. And then certainly for all of you that made the invites to, to neighbors and friends and family to get so many kids here, again, let me just say again, thank you for being the sort of church that cares about the next generation. Well, this morning we are on week two of a two-part series on parenting. And Jeff started us out on this series so well last week, really helping set the vision for why parenting and why raising the next generation more generally is so valuable for everyone here in this room to be thinking about and caring about. I mean, it's important because kids are a blessing. Sure, raising kids takes work and, and it impacts your social calendar and it either shrinks or maybe erases your disposable income. But, but it's worth it because kids are a blessing. At Brookside, we want to say very clearly that in God's eyes, kids are good. Kids are a blessing. And being intentional about raising the next generation in a way that they honor God is something we value very highly as a church family. You can't calculate the difference that it makes as we work together, partner together to do this. But, but even when we agree that raising the next generation to, to honor God, even when we agree that that matters deeply, a lot of us are still kind of asking the, so, so how do we do that question? aren't we? Because we want to know what that looks like. We want to know what next steps we can take to work toward that goal. Every parent that I know is asking these sorts of questions. Every aunt and uncle that I know wants to, wants to help raise their nieces and nephews to honor God and have a positive influence on them. Every, every empty nester I know cares about this, right? Because you never stop parenting your children. If you, if you don't care about raising the next generation, let me remind you why you should, because they will be running the nursing homes we are in someday, right? Everybody cares about how the next generation turns out, because we know they'll be leading not just the nursing homes, but the businesses and the families and the churches of the future. 
I hear from people all the time who, who have this value. They know they want to raise the next generation to honor God and to love Jesus. They just don't always know what to do to work toward that goal. I was just talking with someone just this last week, uh, a couple weeks ago in their recent past, on the phone. He called in, and it was great to hear from him about how he was trying to follow Jesus himself. But, but he said, you know what, the family that I grew up in, this was not the pattern I saw from my own parents. So he was having to start from scratch. What does it look like to honor God? As, I, as he tries to follow Jesus himself, he's just, Tim, how do I do this? What does that look like? So we were getting kind of deep into the weeds on some really practical questions. But you know what? I love that he was asking these questions. I love that he was trying to create this new lane for his family to run in. So that way now, as he, as he, as he fathers his own children, as he shepherds them, he says, how do I create this lane where the pattern that I saw isn't the pattern that I continue? How do I create this lane where, where I can create this new pattern where, where, the, where the thing that's most valued to me as a dad, Jesus, my relationship with Jesus, where, where my own children can see that and can lean into that themselves? I know for me personally, I grew up in a great family that modeled so much of this so well. I love that. I'm grateful for that more and more every week. But, but even with the strong foundation that I had, I know Carrie and I are still asking the how-to questions, right? We have the foundation, but we still have to actually put boots on the ground with our four boys and say, how do we raise them to know and love God? How do we raise them well? How do we raise the next generation to love Jesus? And so that's what we're drilling into and focusing on today. Questions like, what does raising the next generation in a godly way what does that look like? And, and then what steps can I take in that direction? And I've been loving prep all week because we get to take these, these questions that everyone is asking and we get to see what God says about them. Because if we can answer these questions with truth from the Bible, it makes such a difference in how we actually raise the next generation, right? I mean, at the most basic level, it just gives us some practical tools that we can use when we're raising the next generation. And we all love tools in the toolbox, right? We all need helpful tips to say, okay, how do we actually do that? What, is, what do other people do? What do I learn from as I look at the Bible? But, but even more importantly, we got to say, okay, how can I grow in confidence? Because as we look at what God says about parenting, we can grow in confidence. You can grow in confidence. Lining yourself up with the way God has designed things to work. And that sort of confidence is so, so valuable. Because when, when our children keep coming to us for the 13 millionth time, asking for something, we're like, oh, I'm not sure if that's right. My, my boys plot together, I'm sure, to wear Carrie and I down, right? So you're feeling worn down. If, if we don't have that confidence to help us say, okay, how do, I, how, do I, how do I shepherd my family well? How do I father well, parent well? in the situation. If we don't have that confidence, it's so easy to get worn down. But when we have the confidence of saying, okay, about some of the most important things, what does the Bible say? What does God say about this? That confidence can keep us going when things get tough and when things get complicated. And so the place we're going this morning is Deuteronomy chapter 6. 
We always love it when you follow along with us in the Bible. So we'll put the screen, or we'll put the verses up on the screen. But if you've got a Bible, turn with me there, either hard copy Bible on your phone, whatever. But while you're turning to Deuteronomy 6, let me tell you why this is a key passage we want to listen to as we, as we talk about intentionally parenting the next generation, intentionally raising the next generation to honor God. And so, so the setting of Deuteronomy is on the east bank of the Jordan River in the Middle East, right? God's people, if you know a little bit of the history of the Old Testament, they had been enslaved in Egypt for hundreds and hundreds of years. And then the book of Exodus in the Old Testament is all about how God just miraculously uses this key figure, Moses, to rescue and deliver his people from slavery. And so that's the whole parting of the Red Sea miracle that a lot of you maybe have heard about. And so, so God delivers his people from slavery, but then fast forward through Exodus into this other book of the Bible, Numbers, God's people spend about 40 years wandering in the wilderness after that because of some poor decisions that they made. And so God's people spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness. I mean, when you spend 40 years doing something, that becomes your whole frame of reference for life. When you spend 40 years doing something, that means children were born and raised in the wilderness who knew nothing other than the wilderness. That means there were parents who were raising children who knew nothing except raising children in the wilderness. And then we come to Deuteronomy, and all of that is about to change. Because in Deuteronomy, they're again on the east bank of of the Jordan River, about ready to cross over into this promised land that God had given to his people. So certainly as part of that, there's, there's hope and anticipation and excitement and all of these things. But I wonder if there were also parents who were like, how are we going to raise our children in an environment that is so different than everything we have ever been used to? Can you relate to that question? How do we raise children in an environment that will look so different than the world that we grew up in? How do we raise children to honor God in such a rapidly changing world like ours? That's the question that that we're asking today, and that's the same sort of question that parents were asking back in Deuteronomy, I bet. And so now with all that in mind, let's go to Deuteronomy 6, because it helps us answer these questions in two big ways. So first of all, Deuteronomy 6 shows us the bottom line priority for parenting, Not just for parenting, but really for all of us. And then second point that we'll see is that it also gives us some key next steps we can follow as parents. So Deuteronomy 6, we'll see the bottom line priority and key next steps. So we'll drill into God's word and see that. But then then we'll circle back around, and I just want to give you some some background noise is what I call it. Background noise for parenting, just the, the undercurrent that I want to shape all of my parenting. So it's really practical tools that I've learned from others that I'm excited to pass along to you today. So that's the direction we're going. Let's start at the top with the bottom line priority for for parenting and for all of us. And so look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Moses is speaking here, and he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. 
And so Moses is speaking to the whole community of God's people here in Deuteronomy, right? And he says, he says the most important thing, the most foundational thing, the thing to start with is that you love God first, most, and entirely. So we make sure to set that priority for everyone that's listening in that day. And there is no way for me to overstate the significance of this command that we read about here in Deuteronomy 6, right? These verses are part of something called the Shema. Every practicing Jew will have that passage I just read. They'll have it memorized, and they will make it part of their prayers every morning and every evening from their earliest days onward from that. Because every practicing Jew, they want to say, okay, from the earliest days, we will have this, this priority of loving God. We will have that etched into our character from those earliest days. Or fast forward to the Gospel of Matthew. When, when this expert in the Old Testament law comes up to Jesus in Matthew chapter 22, and he asks Jesus this question. He says, teacher, what's, this, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Jesus basically just restates Deuteronomy 6. You see it? So when, when Jesus is asked, Hey, hey, what's the most important commandment? What summarizes everything else? Jesus says that that most important commandment is to love God first, most, and entirely. And so this is the priority that every one of us here, adults, children, everyone, this is the priority that we should have for ourselves. And since we're talking about raising up the next generation today, I just want to look at that priority through the lens of parenting and through the lens of what this means for how we raise up the next generation, right? So, 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 so that means that, that this priority of loving God first, most, and entirely, it's the most important priority you can have as a parent for your kids, it's the most important priority you can have as you care about the next generation, right? This is more important than the sports team they're on. This is more important than the grades your kids get. This is more important than the college they get into or the job they land someday. Nothing is more important than, than cultivating this love for God that runs deeply in us through every fiber of who we are, right? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Every part of us is deeply affected by this love for God. And so, so here's, the, here's the question, the, the, the convicting question that falls out of a priority of like this. Are you spending as much time and as much attention and as much energy cultivating this priority of loving God in your children as you are on their free throw percentage, as you are on their, their grades, as you are on the college they get into. You see, see passages like this that show us so clearly what the bottom line priority for parenting is, they just force us to ask questions like that. As you, as you look back on your own parenting, as you, on your own raising the next generation, how are we doing at cultivating this? Now, there's always hope, right? So hang on, because we'll get to that. 
but, but I think it, it reminds us that we can't dodge this question. What is most important to us as we raise the next generation? The bottom line priority for all of us here today and for the next generation, as much as we can influence it, is to help them love God first, most, and entirely. Well, as we keep reading in Deuteronomy, Moses moves on from the bottom line priority of loving God to, to getting practical, to giving us some steps for, for how we can move in this direction. And so let's keep reading in Deuteronomy 6, verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. So Moses continues and says, These commandments that I give you today, they're to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And so, so as we ask the how question, how, how do we do this? How do we, how, do we, how do we get our kids to own the value of loving God first, most, and entirely? The, the first thing Moses says in verse 6 is, is he looks at all the adults that he's talking to, looks them in the eye, and he says, start with yourself. Right? If we're going to pass this value along to the next generation, the place to start is with a person in the mirror. Look at what the Bible says in verse 6. It says, these commandments are to be on your hearts, right? So they're to be impressed deeply on us first. Before we can pass this priority along to anyone else, we need to own this ourselves as parents. And if you're new to church, this is why we talk so much about, about the value of making a personal decision for Jesus, to, to, to understand who he is, what he's done on the cross, and what it means to follow him. Maybe the best decision you can make today for raising the next generation is to take a deep look inside yourself and say, what am I doing with Jesus? Who's at the center of my life? Have I found Jesus? Am I following him? These are conversations we love to have at Brookside. You see, as parents, we, we, we just can't fall back on the do as I say, but not as I do excuse. And I, I've used that, Right? But, but the scary thing about parenting is that, is that our children can sniff out hypocrisy so quickly. Our kids will see what our true values are so quickly. And, and so, so if we look one way on Sunday morning, but then if we look a very different way on Tuesday evening, our kids get that. Or, or if we're always telling our kids, hey, make sure you memorize those verses for Sunday morning, and hey, make sure you're reading their Bible. If our, hear, if our kids hear us tell them that, but the only thing they ever see us doing is watching TV, gaming, or whatever hobby of choice it is, your kids pick up on that. And what do you think the true values are that we're passing along when we do that? My parents are such great examples of modeling a love for God and, and starting that with themselves some of my earliest memories, you've, you guys have heard this before if you've been around for a while. Some of my earliest memories are, are walking out into, into the kitchen. I was even younger than my boys are now, and I would see my parents, bowl of cereal in front of them, and the Bible spread out before them. They were starting their day in the Bible, hearing from God in the Bible. I, I'm so grateful for that. Before I ever read about the value 
and the importance of the Bible in any theology book. Because I love theology. I love to read about that. Before I ever read about it in a theology book, I saw the value and the importance of the Bible in the example of my parents. I'm so grateful for that. And so, so this, this first point of starting with yourself, this is something you can start applying today. There's a lot of stuff we can't control, right? But this is one thing you have a whole lot of say over. Who's at the center of your life? Is Jesus at the center of your life? Are you following him as your Savior and your Lord? Are, are you modeling a life that loves Jesus for your kids? This doesn't mean perfection. Talk to, I've got a son in here right now. Talk to him, he'll tell you all of the ways I'm imperfect every week as a dad. So this isn't about perfection, but, but it's about direction. It's about what direction are you moving with your family. And then you just take incremental steps that direction the best way you can, right? So, so this means just helping create an awareness of God's presence in the lives of your family, pointing out God's activity. Maybe it means you drive by an accident on the interstate and you're like, hey, hey, family, let, let's, let's pray for that right now. Maybe it means just confessing to your kids when you sin and mess up because our kids need to see us apologize and ask for their forgiveness. Those are the sorts of things that set direction for us. We can start these things today. You can leave here today and say, okay, okay, what can I start doing this week? What can I start doing this afternoon to show my kids the direction that I'm moving? That, that I love Jesus first, most, and entirely with all the ups and downs that goes along with that, and that I care about them doing the same thing, right? So, so start with yourself. And then the next key step in raising the next generation is that, is that we take this value of loving God and we impress it deeply on the hearts of the next generation. Verse 7, there's that word that I read, you impress these things on your children. Some of your translations say, teach them to your children diligently. That word for impress is from this Hebrew word that means to engrave. It means you, you, you etch it, you etch truth, God's truth, into the lives of the next generation repeatedly and deeply. So when you see a tree with initials carved into it, this is not the real tree in my backyard, by the way. You can do anything on the internet. But, but when you see a tree with initials carved into it, you know that those initials got there through just this deep, repeated, engraving process where somebody was just etching those initials into a tree. That's the sort of thing that verses 7, 8, and 9 in Deuteronomy 6, that's what they're talking about, right? Where, where what this means is we don't just come to church for one day a week and then we can do whatever else we want the next six days. The, the idea we get here in this passage that I read is that we we impress or we engrave this value of loving God. We do this on the hearts of our children intentionally, naturally, and repeatedly. That it just gets into the ebb and flow of the way we live our lives during the week, right? So, so this, this talks about talking with your kids when you sit down and when you get up, right? Just these conversations we're having, where I love hearing about parents who are trying to use drive time with their children well. 
because your kids can't go anywhere when they're, in their, when they're in the car with you. So, so parents are saying, okay, how do we use that 15 minutes well? I love that parents who are using meal times well. So at supper time, they say, we are going to guard supper for, for five nights a week or for seven nights a week or whatever it is. And we're going to make sure to use that time well. Or, or some parents, for, for them, it's the bedtime routine. They're like, that's where we're going to teach our kids how to pray. We're going to open up a children's Bible with them, or we're just going to read through the family passage in 365. But where we're using these, these rhythms that are already in the ebb and flow of our lives, and we're leveraging those every way we can to engrave a love for God on our children. And, and I am sure that every one of us here, every one of us, as busy as we are, we could find space that already exists in some of those natural rhythms to say, okay, how, how can I take one or two of those and leverage that opportunity to engrave a love for God on my child? So this isn't adding something new to what you're doing. It's not adding something to your schedule. It's just saying, how do we be intentional with the time that God has given us, with the spaces that are already in that ebb and flow rhythm of our family? And then verse 9 talks about writing things on your door frames. This is about using physical space as a pointer to God. Now, now there's nothing magical about, about, about visible objects in your home that point towards Jesus. We don't believe in talismans or anything like that. But am I glad that Carrie has put a couple of well-done verses on different walls on the main floor in our home? You bet I am. Because every time we sit down to watch TV, I see this, my boys see this, we see Proverbs 4.23 on this piece of artwork we've got next to our TV. I'm so glad we see it every day. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else. Because everything you do flows from it. That is truth we need to be reminded of. So it's, so it's just a matter of putting these little physical objects, decorations, little stuff, just as one more nudge to say, okay, how do, we, how do we raise the next generation to love and honor Jesus? And so you get the picture of what I'm talking about. As we impress a love for God on the next generation, be intentional, use the natural rhythms, and then leverage everything, do this repeatedly, so that way we raise the next generation to, to know, love, and honor Jesus themselves. Well, at Brookside, we always wanna give you tools to help you apply what we're, what we're giving you, to, to help apply truth that we discover in God's Word. And so that's where, again, I love the, the family passage in the 365 Bible reading. That's where I love that our kids' men and our student ministries, every week they send out emails to the parents of, uh, of students saying, here's what we're teaching in programming this week so that way parents can stay in the loop. I love all that we're already doing, and I'm really excited this week to reveal something brand new. So first time we're revealing this publicly, something we're calling our K-12 through anchors. And the driver behind these anchors is that we care so much about what we teach the 600 or so students that are in and out of this building every week. We know you care about what we teach them too. And so we develop these anchors just to help give us some shape to what we teach and what we value in age-appropriate ways from K through 12. If you work in ed education, you know the industry language for this is, is scope and sequence, or it's vertical alignment is what we're trying to do. But this isn't just for us at Brookside, for how we structure Sundays and Wednesdays. 
You see, at Brookside, what we're doing is partnering together with you to raise the next generation. We are all in this. And we will talk all day long about encouraging parents to see themselves as the primary disciple makers of their kids. And so our desire is that these anchors, they become a tool that you use in all of the creative and natural ways that fit your family as we, again, partner together to engrave a love for God on the hearts of our kids. And just so we're clear, this isn't just for parents of little kids. No one gets a pass on this, right? The, the reason we're revealing this on a Sunday morning is because we are in this together. I know, I know empty nesters. I know people who don't have kids who, who want to know how they can pray for the next generation. These things we're about to show you, this is our first foot in the door for ways we would love to have you pray for the next generation, for, for the ministries we do, for the, for the students in our ministries, right? The, the key role maybe you play is just starting to pray these things every week for what we do here at Brookside. And so let me get these in front of you, these anchors. We're going to fly through these. So we've got bookmarks on, uh, on or near your chair. Probably you can follow along with me. On the way out, we'll have a magnet, one per family. So if you can't keep up, don't worry about writing any of this down. We've got it for you. But, but again, I want to get these in front of you because of how important this is. And so as we work together to help Brookside kids and students find and follow Jesus, one of the first things we want to do is help them seek and trust God in big ways. Where we want to help them know God better and better over the course of their lives. And then say, okay, how do I trust in God's goodness and my leadership, in his goodness and in his leadership? Second anchor is that we want to help students read and engage the Bible, where they believe the Bible is a book like no other book that is God's word and that, that it affects their thinking and their actions. Third anchor is that we want to help students identify as a child of God. So that way their primary identity isn't some social media page. It's not what any others think about them except for what God thinks about them. We want them to see that they are created in God's image. And so they have tremendous worth, value, and purpose as such. We want them to see that God created them for a purpose so, so they can have a big vision for what God can do in them and through them. And then just like the rest of us as sinners that can be saved by grace, their identity is in what Jesus has done for them and in who he says they are. Next anchor is that we want to help students love and serve others, where they're, where they're going out of their way to actively look for ways to build meaningful relationships. And then they're looking for ways to add value in those relationships. Another anchor is that we want to help students make wise decisions every day. This is important for all of us. But, but imagine how great it would be for, for some of our youngest students to start to think in terms of, okay, okay, how does following Jesus impact the way I spend my time? How does it impact what gets my attention? How does it impact my relationships and how I think about money? So making wise decisions every day is key. Just a couple more anchors. Next one says that we want to help students share Christ with others. So we want to see the gospel uh, is working in them and through them for students. We want to help students uh, uh, have the tools they need and the vision they can have for sharing Christ with others clearly and comfortably. And then our last anchor is we just want to help students see that all of us here, including them, are the church. If you're here and you are under 18, let me say 
to you very directly, you are as much a part of the Brookside Church family as all the rest of us. We want you to benefit from what we offer, but we also need everything you can contribute. And so we want high schoolers, middle schoolers, elementary schoolers, everyone to say, okay, as I lean into Jesus, as I trust and follow him, how am I part of something bigger than myself? And so, so I encourage you to take those bookmarks home. Grab one of those magnets. Again, one per family. I think we still have plenty left over after first service. And put those on your fridge. Pray for us. Pray for the students. And then, again, this isn't just stuff we're leading. The, the primary reason we're good at getting this in front of you today is to help just start injecting this into the, into the bloodstream of our church family. So that way families are saying, okay, we, we love what Brookside is doing. Now, how can we, as we partner together, how can we start to do some of those same things ourselves, right? How can we start to, to read and engage the Bible effectively as a family? How do, we, how do we help love and serve others as a family? And then I'm going to just honestly sit back and watch and see how some of this stuff takes shape in the life of our church. So valuable. All right, so those are our anchors. Now let me zoom way back out. So, so today we are talking about not just those anchors, but we're talking about raising the next generation to honor God, to love Jesus, and live in a way that honors Him. And so we've seen the, the priority of that. We've seen some next steps we want to be taking in that direction. Now let me finish with, with this background noise. Again, just the undercurrent that I want to, to inform everything that I've said so far. These are just really practical things I've learned from others myself, that just as, as a parent myself, but then as a, as a pastor who cares about you, wanted to pass these along to you. Hopefully this will be helpful background noise for your own parenting too. So, so three pieces of background noise. First is that parenting is chess, not checkers. So you all know the games checkers and chess, right? In checkers, every piece pretty much does the same thing. In chess, every piece is different and contributes uniquely to the strategy of the game. My reminder to everyone here today is that parenting is chess, not checkers. So, so as we apply Deuteronomy 6 to raising the next generation, that means we need to be students of our children. Right? Because we know this. We know that if, you, if, you, if you've got multiple children, you know that you can have more than one kid raised in the same household, pretty much the same parenting style, but those kids turn out so differently. And so we need to apply what we've seen about parenting from the Bible and be a student of our children. What are the special and the specific ways God has made each of your kids, everyone here in this church, right? So that way we can apply this specially and specifically to them. Next piece of background noise is that parenting is a marathon and not a sprint. I always need to remember to take the long view. Every week can feel like a roller coaster as a parent. Every day can feel like a roller coaster as a parent, right? And, and so as, as we need to, or as we think about Deuteronomy 6, let's just stay on track. Some of you feel like you're doing awesome as parents. That's great. Keep going. Don't throttle back. But others of you feel like you are in the middle of, of a tough season. A tough season that's been a long season of parenting. Maybe you feel like you're just getting in the race now and you're like, is it too late? To all of you that feel that, 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 that just that weight 
of the difficulty of parenting, well, let me encourage you, it's never too late to start, and don't give up. Right? Parenting, we're always doing it, right, until God calls us home. And so don't give up. Start today and keep moving that direction. Parenting is a marathon, not a sprint. And then last piece of background noise is that as we parent, remember that we cultivate, we don't control. As important as everything is today that we've seen from Deuteronomy 6, we cannot control or force any of what we've seen, right? You can't just snap your fingers and and create a love for God in the lives of the next generation, right? This isn't just a simple formula of plug in A, plug in B, and out churns C. No, parenting isn't like that. I, I know parents who have faithfully done what we've read about in Deuteronomy 6, that they've done the best they could with what they knew. And their, and their children have chosen to go their own way. That their children aren't following Jesus. But just because we can't control this, that doesn't mean we throw up our hands and say, well, I guess what's going to happen is going to happen in that case. No, we still do everything we can to cultivate the love for God that we want to see. Carrie's dad is a farmer lives in central Nebraska, and for his whole life, he's, he's been a farmer, right, just growing corn and beans. And as a farmer, he knows that he cannot do anything to control the growth of his crop. But he still spends himself every day laboring for what he wants to see. He can't control it, but he spends himself cultivating it. That is what we need to do as parents. We can't control it, but let's spend ourselves every day for as long as we can, for as long as our children let us, all that sort of stuff. Let's spend ourselves cultivating the growth that we want to see. Helping our children see that that a love for God and a love for Jesus runs deeply in us. And then doing everything we can in the patient, gracious, winsome ways to, to engrave it, to etch the same love for God on the lives of our children. All right, so, so now I've been hitting, I know I've been hitting the practical side of things hard today, but now just as we wrap up, let me circle back around to what Jeff started with last week, right, where he just reminded us that children are a blessing, and stewarding the responsibility of raising the next generation is a joyful stewardship, Let's do it well. Let's do it intentionally. Psalm 127 says that that children are like arrows in the hands of an archer. As a church, we have lots and lots of arrows. So, So let's aim well. Let's launch those arrows well. As together, we trust God to work in the lives of our children and through the lives of the next generation for His glory and they're good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that gives us truth to guide us on these most important topics of raising the, net, of raising the next generation well to honor you. So Jesus, my, my closing prayer this, eve, this morning is just that you, would, that you would impress on everyone here deeply the importance of that bottom line priority of loving you themselves personally, first, most, and with all of their being.
Jesus, help us be that sort of church that stands out as that pri- with that priority and, th- and then graciously works to impress that on the next generation. We love you, Jesus, and pray these things in your name. Amen.